Good evening, everyone. If I can get back down here. I don't do stairs very well, which is why I'm always down here instead of up there because I'd want to come down here and then I'd be stuck going, trying to go up and down those stairs and it's like, no. So <laughs> we just start into all in the same place down here. Well, we're so glad you're here. Let's just go to the Lord in prayer and then we'll get started with worship. Lord, I just thank you. Thank you for this evening, Lord. Thank you for your goodness and your grace in our life. Thank you, Lord, that we can come together and worship you in this place, that we have that freedom, that we can join together and worship you in freedom. Oh, we just love you. Be with us this evening, Lord, as we do come to you and enter your throne room of grace, Lord. We love you. In Jesus' name. Feel free to stand if you want to while we worship. Hallelujah, hallelujah. Oh, I've heard a thousand stories of what they think you're like, but I've heard the tender whispers of love in the dead of night. Tell me that you're pleased and that I'm never alone. You're a good, good father. It's who you are. It's who you are. It's who you are. And I'm loved by you. It's who I am. It's who I am. It's who I am. Deeper still into love, 
love your good good father it's who you are it's who you are it's who you are and i'm loved by you it's who i am it's who i am it's who i am you are perfect in all of your ways you are perfect in all of your ways you are perfect in all of your ways to us you're a good good father oh you're perfect lord built on nothing less than Jesus' blood and righteousness. I dare not trust the sweetest prey, but only trust in Jesus' name. Let's sing that apart. My hope is built.
within my soul No other love can compare No other mercies when I've done wrong I will lift up my hands I will proudly
yes, Lord. We worship you, Lord. What a privilege it is to worship you in this place, Lord. In your freedom that you give us, Lord. Thank you, Lord, for your goodness and your grace in our lives, Lord. Be with us now, Lord, as we seek you in your word, Lord. And try to grow closer to you in that way, Lord, through your word, Lord. Bless the rest of the service. In Jesus' name, amen. Y'all can be seated. Oh, let's see what announcements. Oh, that last one made me cry. I don't know about y'all, but, whew, Lord, thank you, Lord. He is so good to us. So October 21st, Saturday morning, 8.30 is men's breakfast. Oh, is it? So it's the 15th. Okay. 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 All righty. Um, yes, that would be the third Saturday. It would be the 15th because Heart to Heart is on the third Tuesday, and it's the 18th. And I forgot to write it down. There is a special lady going to come speak on, on that Tuesday. We hope everybody will come. Um, Joy Curly. Yes, yes. <laughs> I didn't know who she was because I didn't grow up in this area, but she's the lady that her and her husband started the place in Duncan back in the 60s. That was there for many years. Help me with that, honey. Teen Roundup. That's what it was. Teen Roundup. And I guess she's done a lot of women's ministries over the years and so forth. And so it sounds like she shall be a delight to listen to. And so I hope all of you ladies can be here on October 18th at 6.30 for that. Prime Timers is the last Saturday of the month, October 29th. And we're going to BG's in Kingston. The van's going to leave here at 3.15. Or you can meet us there at 4. Because um, that's when they open is 4. <laughs> and so that's why we're going in the evening. This Friday, October 7th, Plainview versus Lone Grove. And we're doing the fifth quarter. And so... Chasen asked me to remind everybody that they need help um, just to love on the kids and maybe walk around the parking lot some to make sure nobody's doing what they're not supposed to do. But the main thing is just to be here and love on the kids and help serve. And um, they need everybody. They all hands on deck. So if you can come, he said probably 9, 9.30 is when it would start because at the end of the game. And so um, that's what time you would need to be here. And if you go to bed at that time normally, then just got to deal with it, I guess. <laughs> oh, I have to admit, we live a long ways away from here. And so we will probably not be here. Uh, but... Oh, the list of food. Well, he said just to say that. So may, I don't know if he's already gotten food or not or if they still need foods. What they needed was donations of hot dogs, buns, cookies or desserts, and chips. And when you're talking a bunch of hungry teenagers, probably lots of desserts. So, yeah. 
that would be a good one. Do we have any special prayer requests tonight or praise reports or anything like that that we can take to the Lord tonight? Just believe God that you'll have a good report and you won't have to have the angiogram. Yeah. Yeah. I have an MRI tomorrow on my lower back. Um, praise report is, is that my lower back is actually better than it was before. Um, I'm not having the super sharp pains anymore. Um, but it's still a work in progress. And so we're gonna I'm gonna go ahead and let them do the MRI and believe for a good report that God is healing it. That that's what will show up is that he is in the process of healing yes. my this. Um, let's see. We have a long list of stuff here at the church. Um, I do encourage everybody to always pick one of these up and then um, put it on. I put mine on the refrigerator and it helps me to remember as I just walk by to lay my hand on it and the Lord knows every person on that list whether you do or not and um, and knows what they need healing for even if it just says healing he knows what it is and so whose sister oh my sister yes my sister had her brain biopsy today and um, right now she has a really bad headache and I'm not surprised they went right through here from the picture. Um, they're keeping her overnight. It'll be two or three days before they have any results. Um, of course, we're believing God that it's benign and that it's not cancerous and that the Lord will shrink it so that they don't have to like go in and take it out. It's right next to her speech center, so it affects her speech, which surprisingly I did not know this but when your speech is affected so is your writing ability so like she goes to do stuff out on the computer or her phone or anything and the letters get mixed up or the words get mixed up um, because it affects that too and I had no idea but it turns out that's a common phenomenon that when it when your speech is messed up, it also messes up that. I mean, she can move her hand. It's just that connection between she thinks the right word, but in the same way she can't speak the right word, she also can't write the right word, if that makes sense. Anyway, her name is Sheila, so we need to keep lifting her up in prayer that um, the Lord heals that tumor. Yeah. Anybody else? And... Uh, yes, the pastor search committee, we need to keep praying for them to have wisdom and for the um, and to hear from the Lord. Um, and I'm just believing God and I encourage y'all to that God has that particular one that is just exactly the right pastor for this particular church and for this particular community because I truly believe in the call of God. And so we're just believing God that he has called that one of these people that they're um, praying over is the one that God has for us and that um, it'll come forth, whoever it might be. Yes, yes. So wisdom and strength though for all the people on the committee having to do multiple meetings and all of this stuff, it's a lot of responsibility. And so, um, 
let's keep listing, lifting up that committee and the deacon board as well. And one other thing for my family is a different sister. Her mother-in-law is in the process of passing. She's in her mid-90s, but she evidently she had a stroke a few days ago. She was already on hospice at home. And so um, now it's just a matter of, of time because she's in the process of she's not eating or drinking or anything. So it's just a matter of time. But she's peaceful. And she knows the Lord, and so that's what's important, is that she just goes peacefully into the Lord's arms, that when Jesus stands by her and says, come, she just goes, yeah, that it's her time. But it's hard on the ones left behind, my brother-in-law, John, and his two sisters, um, to lose their mama after so many years. And so um, that's always a hard thing to say goodbye. Anybody else? Seems like I took up a bunch of them. But anyway, <laughs> let's pray. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Lord, I just thank you for your goodness and your grace in our lives, Lord. I thank you that Sheila came through the biopsy fine, Lord. Lord, we just rebuke that headache that she has, that her that all the pain from that biopsy will just seize and desist and be gone, and that she'll be able to get a good night's sleep tonight, Lord, and be peaceful in your arms, Lord. Oh, yes, Lord, that she will sleep peacefully and that she'll have a good report when it comes. Lord, in the name of Jesus, we just rebuke that tumor and tell it to shrink up and be shriveled up and gone and allow her speech to come back, Lord, in the name of Jesus. Lord, be with John and his sisters, Lord, in the passing of, of his mother, Lord, that everything would go peacefully and smooth, Lord, as Laura Lee goes home to you, Lord. We thank you, Lord, that she knows you and we know that she knows you and that she'll be, <laughs> that she'll be happy and healed and well when she passes through the veil to you, Lord. Lord, we just lift up all the needs of the congregation, Lord. There are so many on our prayer requests, Lord, and Lord, we just ask that you bring healing into all of these that need healing, Lord, and that you would be with them and give them encouragement, Lord, and strengthen them in their, in their fight of faith, Lord, that you would strengthen their faith and encourage them that you are the God that heals. Your word says that you are the God that heals of all diseases, and so we claim that for each and every one of these people, Lord, for you are a faithful God and you are true to your word. Lord, We I just pray over the fifth quarter that's going to happen on Friday, Lord, that many kids will come, Lord, and that they'll get to rub shoulders with our Christian kids, Lord, and that, well, other Christians from other churches will come too, but Lord, that you would draw in the ones that don't know you, Lord, so that they can know you, Lord, that they would have relationship with the Christian kids, Lord, and that, um, a word in due season could be spoken into their life and that they would start coming to church, Lord, in the name of Jesus. Lord, that's what this is all about, is loving on those kids, Lord, and letting them see the love of Jesus, Lord, and that Jesus loves them too, no matter where they're at or how they've grown up or what's going on in their life, that Jesus loves them and wants them to be in relationship with them. Lord, we just thank you and ask you to be with us in this um, service, Lord. I just thank you for the opportunity to speak forth the word that you have given me for this evening, Lord. Ask you to just bless it and anoint it. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, the Lord laid 
abiding on my heart a couple of weeks ago. And um, I mean, there's multiple scriptures where Jesus talks about abiding in him. But the one that I felt like the Lord led me to was in John chapter 15. If you have your Bibles, that's where we're going to read and where the bulk of it is. Um, those that have been with me a couple of times know that I go through a lot of scripture. Um, but that's because I really truly believe that I shouldn't be saying anything that I can't back up with the word of God. And so we're going to start in John 15, the first verse. I am the true vine, and my father is the vine dresser. Every branch in me that does not bear fruit, he takes away. And every branch that does bear fruit, he prunes, that it may bear more fruit. Already you are clean because of the word that has spoken to you. Abide in me, and I in you. As the branch cannot bear fruit by itself unless it abides in the vine, neither can you unless you abide in me. I am the vine, you are the branches. Whoever abides in me and I in him, he it is that bears much fruit. For apart from me you can do nothing. If anyone does not abide in me, he is thrown away like a branch and withers, and the branches are gathered, thrown into a fire, and burned. You abide in me, and my words abide in you. Ask whatever you wish, and it will be done for you. By this, my Father is glorified that you bear much fruit, and so prove to be my disciples. As the Father has loved me, see, so have I loved you. Abide in my love. If you keep my commandments, you will abide in my love just as I have kept my Father's commandments and abide in his love. These things I have spoken to you that my joy may be in you and that your joy may be full. Thank you, Lord, for your word. May it come to fruition in life in our hearts this evening, Lord, that your word would be alive in us, Lord, as we eat your word, so to speak. In the name of Jesus, amen. So what does abiding even mean? Well, I looked it up, and it's an old English word signifying progressively to await, remain, lodge, sojourn, dwell, continue, and endure, which is represented richly in the King James Version of the Old Testament by 12 different Hebrew words, and in the New Testament by just as many Greek words. In the revised British and American versions, they displaced often by words meaning to sojourn, dwell, or encamp. So I'm just going to go through each of these because if we don't know what abiding means, then how can we do it? So to await. Many people talk about tarrying at the altars. That's a sort of an old world word too, tarrying. That's waiting. But what are we waiting for? We're waiting for God to answer for God to move, for God to reassure our hearts that he has everything under control. When we tarry or we wait in his presence, our wanting to do things his way instead of our way comes to us. It builds our trust in him, and so we wait on him to remain. He remains in us once we accept him as our Lord and Savior. I mean, that comes first, right? Right? 
But do we remain in him? Or do we get sidetracked throughout the day so that we have minutes, if not hours, where he never even comes to our minds and hearts? If we're praying without ceasing, like 1 Thessalonians 5.17 says, we'll have our minds fastened on him all day. We'll be talking to him about everything we're doing all the day long. We'll be constantly praising and worshiping him, and we'll obey him as we abide in his love. To lodge. I found two different, two different definitions of to lodge. A, an often rustic building used as a temporary abode or shelter. Or B, a small house on the grounds of an estate or a park used by a caretaker or a gatekeeper. That makes me think of like old England stuff, you know, and they had gatekeepers and everything. Maybe they still do. The first definition has nothing to do with it, has to do with a temporary abode. The Lord is not temporary, so our bodies are that temporary abode. He himself is our permanent abode. He is our shelter. We're merely the caretakers of our bodies and of the world that he has given us as our temporary abode until we go to live with him forever. He gives us the choice of a permanent abode with him by abiding in him now in this temporary world. This world may be temporary, but during this short time here in this temporary world, we do have choices and we do have to choose. Do we choose to go our own way, the world's way, or do we choose a permanent abode in him by choosing Jesus, by abiding in Jesus daily? To sojourn is to live somewhere temporarily. Hebrews 11:9. by faith, he, Abraham, went to live in the land of promise as in a foreign land, living in tents with Isaac and Jacob, heirs with him of the same promise. Tents are temporary abodes. They lived in tents waiting for the promise, and that's what we're doing. We're living in tents in temporary bodies as we await the fulfillment of his promises to us, his promise that he has forgiven us, his promise that we'll live with him forever, for eternity. It will no longer be just an abode, no longer temporary, but we'll dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Which brings us to the next one, to dwell. To dwell is a little more permanent. It's like when Alan and I first got married, y'all may not know this, but we lived in an RV because we hadn't been able to find the house yet. So that's temporary. But then we bought a house. But that's a little more permanent, but it's not totally permanent because you can sell a house. I've bought and sold a couple of houses over my lifetime. So it's semi-permanent because when you sell it, you don't move the house normally. You move yourself. But it's more or less. <laughs> it's more permanent than an abode, but it's still not fully permanent. Only our spirit and soul is permanent. These bodies are passing away. But if we abide in him, in Jesus, dwell in him, we, our true selves, not our bodies, will live with him forever. So we've progressed in our walk with the Lord, or have we, from sojourn to dwell? Are we abiding in him every day, spending time in his presence 
talking to him, seeking his face, not just his hand and what he can do for us and give us, learning from him. Are we learning from him? John 6, 45, as it is written in the scriptures, they will all be taught by God. Everyone who listens to the Father and learns from him comes to me. That was Jesus speaking. So if we listen to the Father and learn from him, we come to Jesus. So we need to be abiding in him so we can learn from him. Which brings us to the last definition of abide, to continue or endure. Many of us think of endurance as hardship, and sometimes it is. It's just a matter of continuing. Here's a couple of definitions. One, to continue in existence, to last, like buildings that have endured for centuries. Or two, to suffer patiently without yielding. 1 Corinthians 13, 7 says to, that love bears all things, believes all things, and hopes all things, and endures all things. Psalms 105, for the Lord is good. His steadfast love endures forever, and his faithfulness to all generations. Matthew 24, 12, and because lawlessness will be increased, the love of many will grow cold, but the one who endures to the end will be saved. We endure the things of this world as we continue to abide in him. As the time draws short and the world becomes more and more evil every day, there's going to be more to endure. But God, if we're not abiding in him, how will we be more and more like him? We have to continue in him, abide in him, and he gives us the strength to endure, to fight the good fight of faith. We are the bride of Christ when we believe in him. He is our husband, and he's returning for a bride without spot or wrinkle. Are we continuing in him so that we can be pure without spot or wrinkle? It's his pureness. It's his righteousness. But we have to make ourselves available to him to be pruned by him as we abide in him. If we're abiding in him, resting in him, living in him, secure in him, then we're trusting him to take care of us, to keep us safe, provide for us, and to keep us healthy. Our biggest temptation is the one to spend less time with him and more time away from him. So what's the practical ways that we can abide in him? First, we have to be connected to Jesus. I think everybody here is connected to Jesus, but there may be people watching who are not. We have to have a relationship with him. The branch has to be attached to the vine for it to get any nourishment. You don't go grow grapes on the branch if the branch is not attached to the vine. Jesus is our nourishment and our sustenance, and he makes us clean. Like we read in John 15, 3 earlier, already you are clean because of the word that I have spoken to you. So how do we know Jesus and get clean? Romans 10, 9, because if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. 
We accept his sacrifice on the cross for the forgiveness of our sins. Believe he was raised and confess him as our Lord to others. That's our introduction to him. He forgives us as we confess our sins and makes us clean and connected to him so that we can draw nourishment and grow and produce fruit for his glory. Second, now it's time to draw that nourishment. John 15, 4, abide in me and I in you. As the branch cannot bear fruit by itself unless it abides in the vine, neither can you unless you abide in me. I am the vine, you are the branches. Whoever abides in me and I in him, he it is that bears much fruit. For apart from me, you can do nothing. We can't do anything on our own. Nothing. Nothing that we can do. But he can do it all through us as we're connected to him. John 6, 35, Jesus replied and said, I am the bread of life. Whoever comes to me will never be hungry again, and whoever believes in me will never be thirsty. We need food and water to live. We can go long times without food. Moses and Jesus both went 40 days. Scientists say that 40 days is about max for a normal weight person to be able to go and not die, as long as they're still drinking water. Angus Barbi, I can't say his name right, Barbieri has the Guinness Book of World Records for the longest fast from food, not liquids, he drank, 382 days, over a year. But he started out at over 400 pounds and ended up at a correct weight for his size. So, and he was medically supervised. But <laughs> we, it's a matter of we need food to live. Water is about three days if there's no food also to get water front. But Moses and Jesus went without both of those for 40 days and nights because they were receiving nourishment from God. They were in his presence and they were abiding in Father God. Now, I'm not suggesting that we do long fasts without water and food, although fasting does have its place in our spiritual life. But we do need to spend time in his presence abiding in order to be nourished by him. Third, so what does abiding look like? How do we abide? I was part of the Live Dead team when I was in India, and there's Live Dead teams all over Africa, East Africa and the Middle East and so forth. And they're called Live Dead teams because the idea is, is that you live in very close fellowship, and so you have to crucify your flesh to live in really close fellowship with other people who are not actually your family. They're just your Christ family, and they're your family overseas because none of your regular family is with you. But you have to crucify your flesh to do that. You can, um, I mean, just think about it. The times that people have maybe, people who say you're from Oklahoma and somebody else was from Minnesota, and they have a totally different culture and way of doing things and way of cooking and way of saying things and everything is way different than you. 
because they're from the north of the U.S. and you're from the south of the U.S., but it doesn't matter. You have to crucify your effects in order to live dead. But the way that you do that is by abiding. And so that's where I learned about doing extravagant abiding time with Jesus. And so we did a minimum of 10% or tithed our day, so two and a half hours every day. And then, of course, they would have times where the team would come together every week. I did it for many years. And when I first came home from the U.S. and got a job, I didn't have to be at work until 1030, so I could just still keep up that practice. And it's, it, it's very gratifying, let me tell you, to spend that kind of time that extravagant time with Jesus, just learning from him and worshiping and spending time in his presence. But once I went to work for Mercy, I had to leave the house at 7 a.m. Well, I wasn't getting up at 3.30 in order to spend two and a half hours. Yeah, I'm not, I'm not that, no. <laughs> so I just prayed, and I asked. I'm like, God, okay, it's not practical for me to get up at 3.30 or 4 in the morning to spend that kind of time with you before I go to work. What can I do? But then he made me realize how much time I spend driving every day. I drive three to four hours every day as part of my job. And so I'm able to listen to the word. I'm able to, um, I mean, isn't it technology wonderful? that we have Bible apps that we can just, through Bluetooth, listen to it in our cars, as well as praise and worship music and, and all of that. Many of you are retired, and you have that opportunity too. And those of you that work, ask God, because just like with me, he'll show you um, what you can do in order to spend extravagant time with him. We want to give him our first fruits and not just the end of the day when we're dragging. To praise and to worship him, have a time of thankfulness and to talk to him about your family, friends, and coworkers. Pray through the church prayer list and pray for all your brothers and sisters in Christ and pray for the nations. Pray for all the missionaries that we partner with here. Pray for all the nations that don't know him and have no witness at all, that they would come to know him. Because that's where we do the warfare, is in our prayer closets. It can be hard when you first try sitting quietly to listen. Because who knows, praying is not just about us talking or worshiping, but it's about listening for him to speak to us. Because how can he teach us if he can't speak to us, if we can't hear him, if we're not listening? And it can be really hard to sit, well, it was for me, when I first learned how to just sit quietly. I started with five minutes, and it was a long five minutes the first few times. It was for me, but I'm a talker, so. <laughs> but I, that's what I started with. It was five minutes a day, my first term in India. And when I came home two years later, they were doing a three-day quiet fast where you weren't allowed to talk for three days down there in North Texas at their big campgrounds. My pastor said, there's no way. There's no way you can do that. But I did. He was shocked, but I did. I made it through three days without uttering a word other than in my mind to the Lord. But the idea was to just be quiet and to listen. I will say that part of the things that helped me with that 
was the fact that it was out in the country and I could take a lawn chair out into the woods and sit and just be in nature. That's the one time when I don't listen to music or have something going in my car, at the house when I'm cleaning, <laughs> much to my husband's dismay. I have to have everything blaring loudly, but not when I garden. When I'm outside and working in the garden and with my flowers and what it, veggies, it doesn't matter whatever I'm doing. If I'm outside, I can just sit and listen. Just listen to the quietness. Listen to the non-quietness of nature. All the things that God has provided for us. Even when it's just the wind rustling the leaves or a bird calling. But in that quietness, when we get really quiet like that, we can hear Jesus. We can hear him talk in that still, small voice. So what if you have a really short drive to work and you're busy all day long? Well, we can't just quit our jobs and join a monastery somewhere. However, I don't know if any of y'all have ever heard of Brother Lawrence. Brother Lawrence was a monk, but he became so in tune with God that his fame spread even though he was a cook at the monastery because he used every moment and everything he did practicing the presence of God. And if you've ever heard of the little book, and it's all over the internet, you can get it really cheap. It's just a little book called Practicing the Presence of God, and I highly recommend it, uh, written by Brother Lawrence. It may seem like you're just putting on or faking it until you make it type thing, but in reality, the idea is to see God in everything that we do because he is there. He is here. We need to not allow ourselves to forget that God is always with us. With us. He never leaves us nor forsakes us. It's his promise to us. So breathe a prayer over every decision you make. Discuss what you're doing with the Lord all day long. Practice realizing that God is with you every moment of your day. See God in everything that you do. See Jesus in every little kid that you see all day, even when they're being horrible. <laughs> And what if you're a mom with little ones in the house all day? Well, Courtney is. <laughs> Susanna Wesley was the mother to Charles and John Wesley, and she raised 10 kids. She homeschooled all of the boys and girls alike from 9 to 12 and 2 to 5 every day but Sunday. They all did chores before 9 o'clock because all the chores had to be done before the thing and then I found this quote about her. Early in her life, she vowed that she would never spend more time in leisure entertainment than she did in prayer and Bible study. Even amid the most complex and busy years of her life as a mother, she still scheduled two hours each day for fellowship with God and time in his word, and she adhered to that schedule faithfully. Charles and John came by the methodical Methodism thing. Um, from their mother, obviously. The challenge was finding a place of privacy in a house filled to overflowing with children. Mother Wesley's solution to this was to bring her Bible to her favorite chill, throw her long apron up over her head, 
forming a sort of tent. This became something akin to the tent of meeting, the tabernacle in the day of Moses in the Old Testament. Every person in the household, from the smallest toddler to the oldest domestic helpers, knew well to respect this signal. When Susanna was under the apron, she was with God and was not to be disturbed except in the case of the direst emergency. There, in the privacy of her little tent, she interceded for her husband and children and plumbed the deep mysteries of God in the scriptures. This holy discipline equipped her with a thorough and profound knowledge of the Bible. So ask Father God how you can find time to spend with him. He'll show you just the way he did for Susanna and just the way he did for me. Maybe like me, you'll have to give up some time watching TV, listening to podcasts. Yeah, I like to listen to podcasts in my car. Playing games on your phone or something. But he'll show you what he expects from you. It's different than what he expects from me or from anyone else. We're all unique. Maybe yours is more of a constant conversation in his presence all day, like Brother Lawrence, without any set times. We all have a unique relationship with our Lord, but we all need to be connected in order to get that nourishment and to grow and produce fruit. It's said that Dr. Livingston of Africa, the African missionary and explorer, he died while kneeling at his bed in prayer with his Bible open before him. They said he had underlined, I will never leave you nor forsake you. And he had written beside it, the word of a gentleman. Because God's word is true and he is faithful to his word. He obviously practiced the presence of God, reminding himself that Jesus is always with us every hour, every minute, every second of the day. The more we can abide in him, practice his presence, live in him, listen to him, rest in him, the more fruit we will produce because the more like him we will be. Have you ever noticed that the more you're around something, someone, the more like them you become? The more you use their expressions of speech, the more you act like them. I think I've become more redneck since I married Alan. Which explains why God tells us to guard our hearts in Proverbs 4.23. And Paul says bad company corrupts morals in 1 Corinthians 15.33. It's another reason that it's important to pick your friends wisely. Those we hang with a lot need to be someone that we'd want to emulate. We all need to have friends that are not Christian. Friends and acquaintances that we're reaching out to and that we're being friends and maybe doing stuff with, go bowling with, or whatever, so that we can share the love of Christ with them. It's how we share Christ with the world. But our closest buds need to be Christians. They need to be brothers and sisters in Christ. So first, we have to be connected to Jesus. We have to truly know him. Second, we draw nourishment from him. Third is how we abide in him. And then finally, fourth, is the consequence of abiding. Jesus tells us that abiding in him is how we produce fruit. John 15, verse 7 and 8. You abide in me, and my words abide in you. Ask whatever you wish, and it will be done for you. By this my Father is glorified, that you bear much fruit, and so prove to be my disciples. 
But what is the fruit that Jesus is talking about? Galatians 5.22 tells us that the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, and self-control. So when we display the fruit of the Spirit, then we prove that we are his disciples. But that's also how we know if others are his disciples or not. Now, we're fruit inspectors. We are not judges. We're just fruit inspectors. Matthew 7, 15 says, Beware of false prophets who come to you in sheep's clothing, but inwardly are ravenous wolves. You will recognize them by their fruits. Are grapes gathered from thorn bushes or figs from thistles? So every healthy tree bears good fruit. That's what we want. But the diseased tree bears bad fruit. A healthy tree cannot bear bad fruit, nor can a diseased tree bear good fruit. Every tree that does not bear good fruit is cut down and thrown into the fire. Thus you will recognize them by their fruits. We want to bear good fruit. We want Father the vine dresser to prune us so that we'll produce more fruit. We want the fruit of the Spirit to be formed within us so that others are drawn to the Spirit that's in us so that they too can come to know Jesus as Lord and Savior and to bring glory to God. John 15, 11, These things I have spoken to you that my joy may be in you and that your joy may be full. Joy is a fruit of the Spirit. The joy of the Lord is our strength. We need his joy for his strength. We need his peace in this topsy-turvy world we live in. The world needs his joy, and they definitely need his peace. All the fruits of the Spirit. But the fruit only comes from the vine, from being connected to him, from abiding in him, from spending time in his presence, receiving our nourishment from him. Only then will we have fruit that lasts. As John the Baptist said in Matthew 3, 8, bear fruit in keeping with repentance. But we can only do that if we're connected to the vine, connected to Jesus and abiding in him. 1 John 2, 28, And now, little children, abide in him, so that when he appears, we may have confidence and not shrink back from him in shame at his coming. And he's coming soon, church. He's coming soon. And I don't want to shrink back and be in shame. I want to be ready and pure and righteous through his blood. When he came for Dr. Livingston, the doc wasn't shrinking back. He was already communing with his father, abiding in him, ready for him to come. Are we ready? Because he's coming soon. So let's abide in him. So we'll bear fruit in keeping with repentance as we wait for him and be ready when he comes. They're going to put on a song, and I just encourage you. This song is a little longer than some songs. It's six or seven minutes long. But let's spend some extravagant time. Seven minutes is not really that extravagant. Let's spend some extravagant time abiding in the Lord.